Thanks, Kayla. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our series called Life Together, and we've been reading through the book of Philippians. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, I'd encourage you to open it up because we don't have any slides this morning. So uh, that's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, Or if you're using this on like a laptop or something like that, you can open up, go to like BibleGateway.com or something like that. Look up the verse. It's great to have the text right in front of you. Uh, And this morning we're going to be focusing on specifically on verse six, but we're going to look a little bit at verse three and four as well. So I'd recommend looking at just open it up to Philippians one. You can't go wrong there. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about confidence, which is a funny thing to talk about on a night or a morning like today, where uh, it feels like all these things that you thought, oh, I had so much confidence that this was just going to be an easy, regular Sunday morning for us. And, uh, And then it's like, oh, wait a minute, what? happened here. Uh, that, that for us, this, this program we've been using for the however many weeks, which has gone off relatively without a hitch, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, it just feels like everything isn't working the way it's supposed to be. I think that all of us, we've gone through a bit of a journey with regards to confidence over the last number of weeks with this COVID-19. Uh, if we kind of had our lives and things were on a certain track and everything made sense, And then the next thing we knew, we were all having to stay inside our homes and we were learning a whole new vocabulary and we're glued to hear the the reports from the premier and the prime minister every day to find out what's going on and what's happening and what do we need to do. And uh, it was a bizarre season because there was all these things that we were confident about and then all of this uncertainty got thrown into our lives. And the passage we're looking at today, Paul talks about what he is confident in. Uh, And so I want to read this passage for you. As I said, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Actually, I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into unpacking all that goes on in this passage. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you that in the midst of the uncertainty of this morning, in the midst of the uncertainty of our lives, in our nation, in our world, that you are present to us. We thank you that you have not abandoned us or forgotten us, but yet you are at work. And so in humility, in hope, and in joy, we invite you to come and speak to us this morning. That we might share in the same confidence that the Apostle Paul had and the Philippians had. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, last week, Lois did an amazing job unpacking verses three, four, five. Uh, And so I don't want to do too much of going over that again. She did such a great job. Go on the website, listen to her sermon if you didn't, weren't a part of it. She just did an amazing job. Uh, But it'd be a few things that I think are helpful as we look at this to get a better understanding for verse six. Paul uses this language, koinia, or a partnership in the Gospels, how we translate the Greek word is koinia, and it's this fellowship, it's this connection, it's like deep-rooted relationship. 
Now, the word koinonia also had a very a business aspect to it. So partnership in the gospel, it's almost like you were going into business together. So Paul looks at the Philippian community and says, like, we are partners. It's like we're in business together. We're both invested in this. Now, a little bit of context. The Philippian church had sent Paul a generous financial gift to help support him with his ministry and while he was in prison. And so there's one way you could read this letter and you could purely see it as this is Paul's thank you letter to the Philippian community for for offering financial support in his time of significant need. But, But Paul, as we've hopefully started to catch on, he always starts with these little ideas that seem sort of obvious and he begins to unpack them and unravel them. And you start to realize there's so much more going on to Paul's thought and what he's trying to get the Philippians to see. And so for him, when he says your partnership in the gospel, this is not simply about you giving money towards something. Uh, Paul is saying, you're not simply just an investor in my ministry. He's saying, no, no, we are all in ministry together. We are in the gospel business, not for financial gain, but rather for the sake of the world. And so for Paul, he, he, go, he, he would look at our people who, who give to the church and he'd say, that's great, but realize this is just an outflow of what you are already a part of. For, for us as a church community, we, we invest in all sorts of different mission agencies all over the world. We got to hear about uh, Iris today and um, David Morrison and, uh, and, and hear about all the amazing things that they're doing. And we heard about Voice of the Martyrs last week. We've been hearing these incredible things, but, but the thing that we need to realize is we aren't just simply sending them money. We are all in this together because we're all engaged in ministry. We are all partnership in the gospel. And this is about a deep-rooted relationship that's centered around so much more than our commonality, the things that we hold in similar or, 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 or things that unite us. No, no, this is about the gospel changing and transforming our lives and rewriting and redefining everything that is important about ourselves. I know we took up offering a little bit earlier on, and and we really do hope that you are contributing uh, to the ministry that's happening out of Forest View. But but our hope is not simply we just we don't want you to send your money. We we want you to see yourself as partnering in the gospel with us. That's what we are as a church community. And Paul drives this point home because he says, like, realize this is from the first day. He's not saying this didn't start, your partnership in the gospel didn't start when you started to financially invest in my ministry or, or this ministry. He's saying, you know, from the first day that, that God started working in your life, from the moment you responded to the good news of Jesus, the moment you surrendered your life in service to him, you are a part of this. And so would you see, whether you give or not, whatever it is you see in your life, if you have responded in faith, we are all in this together. We are all partners in this good news, in proclaiming it and embodying it wherever we find ourselves. Well, verse six, Paul says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now the word there Paul uses for confident, it comes from the root word that we would typically translate the word faith. And so it's this idea of kind of gathering all the information and looking at things and just saying, I, I'm investing. I, I, this is what I believe to be true. I find this convincing. 
And so Paul, he has this, this, this experience, this thing that he sees as he looks at the Philippian church and it fills him with joy and he's confident. Now, something to be aware of, both the Philippian church and Paul are facing their own significant time of uncertainty. Paul, he's in prison. He has no idea if he's going to escape. He's suffering. Later on in the letter, he talks about people making his life very difficult while he's in chains. And the Philippian community, their world has been turned upside down. They've started following this Jesus, this Messiah, but they realize this brought them into all sorts of tension with the culture around them. For some of them, they are losing their jobs, their businesses. They're not able to engage in the marketplace. Uh, for others, their support networks, their families, their friends, all these relationships they'd invested so much in, there's now this tension and divide and families potentially disowning members who have turned to follow Jesus. And so they are facing this really difficult, scary season that's impacting their health, that's impacting their relationships, that's impacting their money. It's easy to see why they might be scared. And yet Paul speaks to them and he says, I am confident of this. Now, the amazing thing is that Paul doesn't simply say, well, I'm confident that everything's going to work out great. He doesn't say, hey, I'm confident that God's got this all under control and everything is going to work out fine, all this persecution stuff. It's just going to blow over. Paul doesn't even say, hey, I, you know, I'm in jail, but you know what? God's got this. I'm going to get out. No problem. That, that's not what Paul places his confidence in. Uh, Paul instead says this, he says, places his confidence on this, that God, who he sees at work in the lives of the people in the Philippian church, he says that God is at work in them, that, that he is making them more like Jesus. And that ultimately it's going to be completed or consummated ultimately on the day of Christ Jesus at Christ's return. There's this thing in the evangelical Christian world that we sort of inhabit as Christians in the Western world. And uh, it's this thing we often refer to it as the prosperity gospel. And essentially the, the idea behind the prosperity gospel is you often see they're usually televangelists, people who've got TV shows or, or really big, massive mega churches. And they kind of proclaim, they kind of, they proclaim this message that if you just have enough faith, then you don't have to worry about your health because God's going to look after you. You don't have to worry about money because God's going to bless you with lots of financial gain. And, and I think for many of them that that's kind of where they find their confidence now, the interesting thing is I think for a lot of us, we see that, we see their, they, these televangelists, their private jets and their bad toupees and their constant pleas for money and it's, it's disturbing and offsetting. But, but in truth, I think that a lot of the time we actually agree with what they're saying, even if we kind of go, well, I don't think we should be getting that much money, but there's this belief that following Jesus, committing our lives to follow him means that life should just be going smooth for us. And if we hit challenges, if we hit difficult times and seasons in our life, if we suffer, if we experience loss, if, if we lose our savings, whatever it is, that, that suddenly it's like, oh God, you really let me down on this. But, but I love, actually I'm challenged, I don't know if I love it, but it, it disturbs me a little bit, but in a good way. That Paul, when he talks about this, he looks at his life, he looks at his circumstances, he looks at all those things, and yet he says, no, no, that's not what my confidence is in. My confidence is not that I'm going to get out of jail. My confidence is not that all this persecution stuff you're going through, that's going to be easy, and it's not going to be bad at all, and everything's going to work out, and they're going to have a change of heart. 
Paul's confidence is that, no, no, God is at work regardless of their circumstance. We, as Christians, we can be confident, not because we're given this nice, sentimental, narcissistic promise that everything's going to work out for us, but, but rather that in the midst of the darkest moments of our life, that God is working in our hearts and making us more like Jesus. And when we say that, we're talking about hearts that are being changed and transformed to love the things that God loves and to love the way that God loves. For Paul, he doesn't have confidence in himself. He doesn't have confidence in, even in the Philippian church. He's not looking at them going, hey, you guys are so good. You're going to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and get this all sorted out and figured out. You know, his confidence is that God is at work. Paul uses this term, the day of Christ Jesus. It seems like he's tweaking an Old Testament term called the day of, this, of the Lord, uh, which was this moment that the, the people of Israel looked forward to where God was going to come and set everything right. He was going to take up his rightful reign on the throne. And Paul, he sees that all of history, everything is leading towards this moment where Christ's reign is going to be fully realized and experienced in this world. And for that reason, because of that trust and that hope, he lives with this incredible confidence, knowing that in the midst of his own challenges that he's facing, that God isn't finished with him yet. That God is continuing to work in his life and in his heart. And that ultimately when Christ comes to reign, he, he knows that his heart is going to be changed and transformed and be perfectly in sync with the world that is to come. Now, interesting thing. We live, we, I talked a little bit about the prosperity gospel. Uh, and, and I think it's a, a dangerous and destructive thing for Christians. But, but one thing I've noticed is that often we might go, uh, well, we kind of reject the Christian prosperity gospel, but I think there's a secular prosperity gospel too. And, and it's one where there isn't really any Jesus or God or, super, or, or, or metaphysical argument towards it, but it's this idea of, well, if we just get all of uh, our technology right, we know there's going to be some sort of innovation that's going to fix everything. If we just get modern medicine, we just know there's going to be a cure. And, and if we get the government right, if we get the right people in office, or if we get the right party in office or the right party out of the office, then everything is going to be fine. And we're essentially going to establish this heaven, this utopia on earth. And I think one of the things that we can often do as Christians is we can place just as much confidence in technology and medicine and the government and whatever else, all these different things. And sometimes those things are doing good things, and sometimes those things we need to stand up as Christians and say that's wrong. But, but, my, but I would argue, I, I would push us a little bit further to say, but, but in what ways are we embodying and saying that, no, wait, there's a bigger kingdom? And have we entrusted ourselves to a secular prosperity gospel? Or is Jesus really the truest good news for us? 
we live in this fascinating age of uncertainty, right? Everything's been turned upside down. And, and just as when you go through suffering, uh, it can challenge the prosperity gospel message of Christians, this idea that God's got it all covered. We don't have to worry about anything and we'll never have to go through any suffering or loss. Uh, but, but I mean, how true is that with COVID-19 as we've walked through this journey uh, and we're all just waiting anxiously for a vaccine and we're waiting for governments to get, come to, with all the answers, but we realize, hey, they're trying to figure it out too. Uh, even in this season, this morning, we, we talk about the technology, the thing that can bring us all together. Oh, this is going to solve all our problems. Uh, but, but a couple updates and it just derails an entire morning. But maybe it's other things that you've placed your confidence into that have just been shaken for you. Maybe it's you're a person who just thrives in routine and the routine has gone out the window in these last months and last couple months. Or maybe it's relationships. Maybe you've just been someone who's so connected to people and now you're suddenly realizing, wait a minute, some of these relationships that I thought were really strong are not as strong as I thought they were. Maybe it's, maybe it's your marriage relationship. You're, you're together all the time. You're like, I thought we had a great marriage and now we're living together. And it's like, what, how, what's going on here? Uh, maybe it's your health. Uh, maybe it's your job security, whatever it is. This, this brings all sorts of uncertainty for us. And I can't promise you that everything's going to be okay. And that there's not going to be suffering and loss and grieving and, and difficult times. But, but we can be confident of this that God is working in our lives, making us more like Jesus, regardless of our circumstances. Even in these dark, difficult times, that, that God's light can be shining through us at its brightest. And on the morning where your worst fears are fully realized, when the Zoom feed crashes, and your dad forgets to unmute his mic or to mute his microphone. <laughs> that no, no, wait. God is still we're at work, and we can trust that and be confident because His Spirit is at work in our lives, making us more like Jesus to love what He loves and to love the way that He loves. I want to transition to communion now. Uh, and so if you've got the bread, if you've got something to drink or dip it in, I encourage you to grab that now. Uh, we're going to share communion together. Uh, when we look at the cross, uh, we see something that just cuts through all the sentimentality and narcissism that we so easily can embrace. Uh, we realize that uh, this world, this universe is not about us, but at the very core of it is, is God's self-giving love. And that following Jesus does not mean that life is going to be easy and perfect and no problems ever for us. And yet at the same time, we see in Jesus' sacrifice a new life made possible that transcends even our darkest, most difficult circumstances. And we look forward to the day of knowing that Christ's reign will be fully realized in this world and that things will be the way that God intended them to be. So would you take the bread and the drink knowing that it is given for you. May you take it, eat it, drink it. And know that in Christ you have been forgiven and offered a way better life than you can discover anywhere else. Let's take and eat together.